Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, everyone. I'm your host, Ian, and we are talking everything that has made headlines in the world of pro wrestling over the last week. But we've got a big week upcoming. And I think the biggest news in professional wrestling right now is the big event that takes place on Wednesday and the big event that takes place one week from tonight. Now, on Wednesday, AEW Dynamite will feature a special branded episode called Winter is Coming. And headlining that show will be Kenny Omega challenging AEW world champion John Moxley. That's the biggest show AEW's, or the, well, it's definitely the biggest match AEW has ever put on free television. And then on Sunday night, NXT will present War Games. It's the fourth War Games event that NXT has put on since bringing it back in 2017. A lot of wrestling fans, definitely a lot of NXT fans, hey, War Games is arguably one of the biggest takeovers of the year, if not the biggest takeover of the year. Two rings, double cage, and I think the War Games matches that they've done in the past have lived up to the hype. I thought last year's women's war games match was one of the best that they've put on. And now this year we'll get the second war games match. Second female war games match. And we still don't know exactly who's going to be in that match. But anyway, let's start off with AEW Dynamite because that's the that's the show that that kicks off first on Wednesday night, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. We have an article up on the website where we take sort of a, a closer look at Moxley and Omega's time in AEW so far. We've got their complete singles match records in AEW. And you'll see that Kenny Omega hasn't lost a singles match in AEW in over a year. And John Moxley never has. And so when you look at it, this really is a match between the two best wrestlers in AEW. And I think a lot of people will point to, well, what about Chris Jericho? Wasn't, wasn't Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega on that pay-per-view in 2019? Wasn't that the biggest match that AEW could put on? But Jericho's sort of fallen out of the title picture. You know, not only did he lose the title to John Moxley, but then he probably dropped two out of three matches to Orange Cassidy. Jericho sits outside of the top five rankings at the moment and is kind of out of the title picture, much like Kenny Omega was for much of 2019 and 2020. Like, if you remember when AEW started, they did a really, like, a small mini tournament to determine the first ever AEW world champion. And they had a the 21-person Casino Battle Royale I believe this was on their first show, and Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. And the winners of those two matches would face each other, and the winner would be the first AEW world champion. Hangman Page won the Casino Battle Royale, but then Chris Jericho pulled off what, at the time, and still now, what many would consider an upset, when he defeated Kenny Omega. And the reason I think a lot of people consider that an upset is because if you go back to when Jericho and Omega met at Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Kenny Omega pulled out the victory over Chris Jericho there. 
But for Omega, I mean, the loss to Jericho, that set up two other losses for him on pay-per-view. He lost to Pac, and then he lost a lights-out match to John Moxley, which technically doesn't count. Technically, that was just a match for bragging rights between the two of them. But Moxley won. And the losses to Jericho, to Pack, the unofficial loss to Moxley for whatever influence this had, but it Omega was basically out of the title picture. And you couldn't do Jericho versus Omega in another match because Jericho had just beat Omega. And Hangman Page was out of the title picture as well because Hangman Page had lost to Jericho. So when Page and Omega came together to form a tag team, part of it was out of necessity. They were both out of the title picture. They both lost to Jericho on pay-per-views or in big matches. So they had no place to go. There was no TNT title at the time. They had to go somewhere, pick up some wins, and come back to the world title picture at a time when their, their previous losses didn't matter anymore. And so that's what they both did. And they both entered that title eliminator tournament, and they both made it to the finals. But in the end, Omega was the winner. And Omega's 3-0 and since going back to the singles division. He hasn't lost a singles match in over a year. And now he's going to face the best wrestler in AEW, the guy who's never lost a singles match ever in the promotion. And that's John Moxley. So now what happens... If Moxley wins versus Omega wins, versus if Omega wins. If Omega loses, so if Moxley beats Omega, I don't think the, res the result will be as damaging to Omega as the previous loss to Jericho was. Because there's other things Omega can do in the singles division now. He can go after the TNT title if he wants. He can, you know... Pick out somebody like MJF and feud with him. Maybe he wants to get that loss to Jericho off his record. And maybe he wants to avenge that loss and have a rubber match with Jericho. Who knows? He's already got the loss to Pac off his record. And he's going to try and get the loss to Moxley off his record. And maybe he wants to, to go back and run it back with Jericho again at some point. So there's stuff for Omega to do if he loses. Whereas last time... There wasn't as many options. He feuded with Pac, feuded with Moxley for a bit, and then ended up in the tag division. Now, if Moxley wins, there's just no shortage of challengers still, even though he's defended the title, uh, I think, nine times at this point. So this would be his 10th title defense, which, of course, is a record, you know. Um, but there's still wrestlers he could run it back again with. You know, and, and they're signing new wrestlers all the time. So Moxley has a place to go. Omega has a place to go if Moxley wins. If Omega wins and ends this 10-month, 9-10-month reign of John Moxley that's included, I think, like 9 or 10 title defenses. We've, I've got the actual stats in the, in the preview article. Um, you know, if Omega wins, it's him finally reaching that spot that many people thought that he would be in once AEW started. When AEW started, remember, like, Omega had just been the IWGP heavyweight champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He was, everybody thought 
he'd be the top guy. And maybe it was the eight months away, but he wasn't able to get enough early wins to make that happen. John Moxley, he had no problem. He came in on fire. He took everybody out and won the title on his first opportunity. Omega had some hiccups, some obstacles in the way. But if he can beat Moxley on Wednesday night, he's right where everybody thought that he would be. And then that just opens up the world title picture um, hugely, right? Because everybody who had had a title shot against Moxley but lost, all of a sudden they're kind of back in the mix a little bit. And so that includes guys like Brian Cage. That includes guys like Lance Archer, uh, even Eddie Kingston or somebody like that. So if Omega wins, it just opens up a lot for the division. Um, if Moxley wins, I mean, it's opportunities for guys who haven't gotten a, a shot yet. If Omega wins, it's probably opportunities for guys who already had a shot at Moxley. So we'll just have to see. But this, I mean, there can be no doubt about it. This is the biggest match AEW has ever put on free television. It's one of the biggest matches they could do. And it's going to be on free television this Wednesday, December 2nd. Winter is coming. I mean, Game of Thrones said that was the case for years before it finally did. But in the case of AEW, winter arrives on Wednesday. But AEW has announced a bunch of other matches for Winter is Coming as well. I actually really like sort of the, the theme. Like they've got these graphics out where everybody's face is blue and there's snow going. It's like, I know Glacier works backstage for AEW. Like, how much influence has Glacier had over Winter is Coming and the, the theme of it all? I don't know. We talk about Glacier a little bit on the upcoming episode of Wrestling's Greatest War. Um, I, I have really discovered a newfound appreciation for Glacier watching back these episodes of Nitro from 1997 now. Um, but anyway, anyway, so here's some of the other matches that are booked for this week's Dynamite. Chris Jericho is going to take on Frankie Kazarian. And Jericho took on Christopher Daniels last week. And the, the big deal was uh, Jericho has 30 years experience in the business. Christopher Daniels has 27 years experience. And they've never crossed paths. That was their first match against each other in a combined 57 years of experience. And this week, Jericho's going to take on Daniels' longtime tag team partner, Frankie Kazarian. In the women's division, if you've been watching Dark, Dr. Britt Baker and uh, Rebel slash Reba have a new talk show called The Waiting Room. I just watched the segment that they did with Ty Conti uh, on, like, no, it was Last Dark. I just watched that recently. And Britt Baker is a treasure. She's certainly got this um, kind of shit-eating grin, cocky attitude down to a T. And Reba Slash Rebel plays her role very well. Well, Baker brought on Ty Conti this week. Conti and her friendship with Anna Jay from the Dark Order is causing a little bit of controversy. It seems like Anna Jay is willing to cheat. But Ty Conti is not, and that's driving a wedge in their friendship. But anyway, I don't know what's going on with Britt Baker and Ty Conti, if that's going to lead to anything, or if it's just Britt Baker trying out this new talk show and then putting Ty Conti on there. Who knows? But Britt Baker is back in action this week. She'll take on Layla Hirsch, 
who has really been getting some strong reviews from her matches as of late. Layla, Layla Hirsch there, the, the Russian wrestler, and she looks good. She looks like someone who's, who's got a strong future. And they, I believe, have her locked up now, too, as well. So, also on Winter is Coming, we've got the Return of the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. And this was won by Maxwell Jacob Friedman last year. And he's promptly used the diamond ring as a weapon throughout most of this year. So, a few names have been announced for this. And I'm just kind of wondering about what stories or angles we're going to see develop out of this match. We've got Matt Hardy in there. Matt Hardy's been doing this new sort of gimmick where... He's a little too quick to brag about the influence he's had on the business. Scorpio Skies in the match. He's been kind of feuding with Sean Spears a little bit. Sean Spears also in the match. As is Matt Seidel, Orange Cassidy, members of the Dark Order. Miro is going to be there along with uh, Kip Sabian. Hangman Page is going to be in it. And there's also going to be some members of the Inner Circle, including Maxwell Jacob Friedman and Sammy Guevara. We've seen them not get along too well since MJF joined the faction. Seems like that trip to Las Vegas, maybe there was some bonding between the two, but it seemed like Guevara was a little quick to call MJF soft during some of those Las Vegas segments. Private Party will also be in the match, so Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal will be determined for 2020 on Wednesday. Also on Wednesday, we've got the continuation of the angle between the Nightmare family and Team Taz. Now, last week, not this week's show, but the week prior, was closed out with Will Hobbs joining Team Taz and clocking Cody or Darby or somebody with the TNT title. So Cody has said that he's not going to go for an immediate rematch for the TNT Championship against Darby Allin. Darby Allin beat him at full gear for, for the title. It seems like Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs might be interested in going after that title. You would have to imagine if the members of Team Taz win this match on Wednesday, that one of them might be in the running for the next TNT title shot. Now, often in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and AEW will borrow some booking techniques or strategies or, or patterns that NJPW does. Not all of them, but sometimes. If somebody pins a champion in a tag match, they normally get the next title shot. And that's in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think we've seen it in AEW as well. Um, or we've seen it where like if you team with the champion like the champion's your teammate and you beat another team that's comprised of challengers uh, then it's the person you teamed with gets the next title shot so I kind of like that it's like there's there's a goal in these tag matches that don't take place in the tag division the winning team the person who gets the pin often gets the next title shot although that would seemingly create a bit of dissension amongst the members of that team. Like, wouldn't each guy want to be the one who gets the pin? So that's a little iffy. The other side of it, if you team with the champion and your team beats another team, then the partner gets the next title shot. That makes sense to me, because you're kind of clearing out the division of a couple of challengers, and maybe all that's left is the person who teamed with the champion. 
So I don't know. I don't know if any of that or if any of what happens between Rhodes and Allen versus Starks and Hobbs this week will have to do with the TNT title. It might have nothing to do with the TNT title. We'll just have to see. Um, I mean, whoever wins the Dynamite Diamond uh, Battle Royal might be in a position to challenge for either the TNT or the World Championship either. So we could find out a lot of things that winter is coming. It's not quite a pay-per-view, but it's pretty close to being... It's not a pay-per-view, but it's, it's, a, it's a solid, solid TV show. And uh, with AEW only doing pay-per-views once every three months, you know, something like this is a much bigger deal. And that will move us into Sunday's big event in wrestling, and it's NXT's quarterly pay-per-view, War Games. All right, so next up we've got NXT's War Games. It's the fourth War Games takeover that NXT has done. It's weird. I think it's four years now we've, we've been going with NXT takeover War Games matches. Um, so last year, as we mentioned, was the first time that an all-women's War Games match took place. The second one will take place on Sunday. But let's just quickly go through the history of NXT War Games matches. So, going back to 2017, and there was the first one. Shit, hold on. Uh, okay, so 2017. Remember they did, it was three teams of three. And... It was really different when they did it because they took the top off the cage too. So there was a lot like, it was definitely NXT's take on War Games. And we got the two rings, the two cages, no top on the cage though. Um, having it be three teams. So they definitely put their own spin on it. And it was different, but this was a great match. And the Undisputed Era won. And... Okay, great. And then we move into 2018. This time, it would be two teams. It would be two teams of four, so it was a little different. And this time, it would be the Undisputed Era against Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and the War Raiders. This time, the Babyface baby face team came out with the win. And then that takes us to 2019. And the third War Games match that NXT has done was the first ever women's only War Games match. And this match was, like, all story. <laughs> it was all story completely because Dakota Kai turned on her team. Like if you remember, I think it was Mia Yim was supposed to be on Rhea Ripley's team. But Yim got injured beforehand and Dakota Kai had been on a losing streak and they had said, oh, you're not good enough for our team. And then Dakota Kai had turned on Tegan Knox and eliminated Knox from the match and Dakota Kai also just didn't wrestle in the match. So basically, Rhea Ripley beat Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Kaylee Ray on her own. Or almost on her own. It was a very interesting match. Um, and it was really fun. It was a really fun and just good match. And then we also got the, the men's match. And this time it was uh, Tommaso Ciampa's team against the Undisputed Era. Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, a.k.a. T-Bar, and Kevin Owens defeated the Undisputed Era. So the Undisputed Era are going to go into 2020's War Games. This is going to be their fourth War Games match, and they're 1-2 and two so far. And it'll be interesting to 
like, you know, I don't know. This might be the Undisputed Era's last War Games match. I mean, who knows how long this faction is going to continue for? I, I certainly don't know, but after three years, they've turned babyface. And what worries me about the future of the Undisputed Era is sometimes factions will break up not long after turning babyface, right? Like, like a faction of heels breaking up isn't that big of a deal for the, the audience, you know? Because they're not uh, emotionally attached to any of them. They've been booing them for three years. But a faction of baby faces breaking up is a big deal. And I kind of think back to when the Shield broke up. And the Shield broke up. They had teased that they were breaking up for a long time. But as they were heels. Then they turned baby face and broke up like a few months later. I can't remember how long ago it was. But... And so what is happening with the Undisputed Era right now kind of reminds me of that a little. So I worry that they're going to break up. But the teases of them breaking up seem to have stopped as well. So I don't know. I mean, I could, I could totally see the Undisputed Era going for like another five years in NXT. Uh, I think they're all signed to the promotion for quite a bit. All the members of Undisputed Era seem to sound like they enjoy being this pivotal pivotal part of building the NXT brand. So I could see it go either either way. I could see Undisputed Era just racking up a, another six years, give it a good decade of Undisputed Era. They have to be a whole era, you know. They can't just be a few years. They're an era. But on the other hand, like, you worry when a when a faction turns babyface that some of the members, if not a bunch of the members, are going to go their separate ways, and it really get the the heat on on whoever's the Seth Rollins of the group, and it's going to turn around and bash somebody with a chair. I have no idea if that's going to happen, but I feel like undisputed era fans, of which I consider myself one. When they started to turn babyface, that was kind of my worry. But they've got an important match in terms of their legacy at War Games. Because if they can win, they, you know, like going one and three in War Games matches is a losing record. Going two and two just sounds so much better. But anyway, let's take a look at the War Games. Well, let's look at the whole NXT schedule for the week. So we start off on Wednesday, December 2nd, from the Capitol Wrestling Center in Orlando, Florida, otherwise known as the WWE Performance Center. Just one match is announced for the regular weekly show on Wednesday. That's going to be a ladder match for the War Games Advantage. Uh, just like we had Pete Dunne versus Kyle O'Reilly this week, Shotzi Blackheart and Raquel Gonzalez will duke it out to see which team has the advantage at War Games. And then that takes us to the War Games events. On Sunday, so only four matches announced, two matches, and then the two War Games uh, announcements. So we've got an NXT North American Championship match between Leon Ruff, the champion, and Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. Of course, the story here is Johnny Gargano thought he was getting an easy uh, title defense when he was when he spun the wheel and it landed on Leon Ruff. 
But then Damien Priest came out and caused a a kerfuffle, maybe? Maybe a kerfuffle? He caused it. That allowed Leon Ruff to pick up the win over Gargano. But Leon Ruff does not want to be seen as a joke. He doesn't want to see as a joke champion. And maybe on some level he takes offense to Damian Priest thinking that he needed his help. Anyway, Leon Ruff sort of added to the mix of this Gargano versus Damian Priest match. You would have to imagine that one of either Gargano or Priest is the favorites heading into this match. But if those two just pay too much attention to each other and not enough attention on Ruff, then Leon Ruff is going to leave War Games on Sunday, still the NXT North American champion. The other non-War Games match on Sunday will be a strap match between Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. This comes on the heels of a blindfold match and a straight-up haunted house match that they had on Halloween Havoc. So whatever gimmicks you can think of for the Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes feud, that's what they're going to go with. I don't know if this is going to be the blow-off to the feud or not, because, you know, like I said, we've seen so many of these matches. You would have thought the Halloween Havoc match, like, I thought the Halloween Havoc match was just like, well, where can you... Okay, so I just figured out that my microphone wasn't plugged in as I was uh, doing that bit on Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes. Whatever. Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, strap match. I don't know if the feud will just keep continuing on with whatever gimmicks they can think of with this. Maybe. Maybe it will. But we'll just see what happens with them. I, You know, I love watching Cameron Grimes do anything. Um, I get, you know, so Cameron Grimes with this feud is just a way to have Cameron Grimes act scared on TV until inevitably he is confident again and announces that he is going to the I enjoy Cameron Grimes. I enjoyed saying to the moon just now. It's nice to have things that you enjoy in life. Okay, so the War Games matches. So with the women's match, oh my god, Tony Storm turned heel this week. What the heck was that? Um so out of nowhere, Tony Storm turned heel and aligned with Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Why this happened, I have no idea. Um, this division seemed like it needed another top baby face. So when Tony Storm showed up, I figured, great, there's Tony Storm. And then for her to turn heel so quickly, I don't know. It was just kind of bizarre. I just didn't really understand it. I guess they were thinking, ah, we'd rather have Tony Storm in the match than Indy Hartwell. I'm like, all right, fine. So Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm will face Shotzi Blackheart and three women we don't know yet. Um, seems a little late in the game to still not know Shotzi's team. In terms of who is available for this, there's some of the top women in NXT don't have a match for TakeOver and could be on Shotzi's team. So I don't know. I imagine we'll get this announced on Wednesday, but um, who do we got? Rhea Ripley, who did a promo this week saying she's not going anywhere. She's still in NXT d despite losing to Io Shirai. So I'd imagine Rhea Ripley could find her way into this match. I don't know. Io Shirai, I mean, she's the women's champion. She's got nothing going on for TakeOver. She could find her way in this match. 
Um, who else is available? I mean, you got... I mean, she could bring in somebody that's not on the NXT roster as well. I think that's totally uh, possible, maybe even likely. Ember Moon maybe could be in the match, but we don't know. So they're going to do something on Wednesday night to, to determine who is on Shotzi's team. And then we've got the men's match. We've got Pat McAfee's sort of... Kings of NXT, I think they're called team. So Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Danny Burch, and Oni Lorcan going up against the Undisputed Era. So the Undisputed Era, they're going to be in their fourth War Games match. This will be the second for Pete Dunne. And as for Pat McAfee, Burch, and Lorcan, they've never been in War Games matches before. So a lot to look forward to on Sunday. We'll just have to see where NXT goes with it. Um, but a lot of to a lot of people, their War Games pay-per-view every year is one of, if not the biggest shows that they do. So WWE had an interesting week coming off of uh, last week's Survivor Series. Um, so Raw was actually like a good show. Raw, as listeners of this show know, can be a struggle to get through. It's three hours. It ends an hour later than like every other wrestling show other than AEW pay-per-views. And during a pandemic, sometimes sometimes people go to bed early. So Raw sometimes can be a struggle. Not this week. This week, Raw was very good. Raw had a lot of matches that made... Raw was basically only matches that made sense. Matches with some type of meaning to them. And that's my biggest complaint about Raw. You watch some of these matches and you're like, that's a match just because they need to eat up some time. Stop just eating up some time on Raw. Like, I know it's three hours, but it sometimes feels like it's, it's an hour of stuff and two hours of filler. But not this week. This week felt like a, like a good show filled with matches that mattered. And so what they did was, Basically, nothing was announced ahead of time, because that's how they do it. And then the show started with, like, every wrestler who's a contender for the WWE title was in the ring. And they were all laying out why they should be the Knicks to, to face the champion. And sort of the reasoning here was, hey, we swept the SmackDown team at Survivor Series. So everyone's like, AJ Styles like, I should face the champion. Braun Strowman was so adamant about it that... He attacked Adam Pierce and now has been suspended indefinitely and appears to be out of the title running for the next WWE title shot. Now, I don't know if he's actually injured or, or something and they had to change plans with Braun Strowman, but uh, he's been suspended in storyline and is out of title contendership for the time being. So they had three matches, three singles matches, and the winner of each match will face each other in a triple threat match next week, and the winner of that gets the next title shot against Drew McIntyre. So Matt Riddle defeated Sheamus. Keith Lee defeated Bobby Lashley, but only after MVP ran in and caused the interference. And then AJ Styles defeated Randy Orton, but only after Orton was distracted by Bray Wyatt's 
maniacal laughing. Maniacal? Sure. That sounds good. So he had those three matches that all had meaning to them. And then there was a bunch of other matches that had meaning to him, too. So we got the Raw Tag Team titles were on the line again between the New Day and the Hurt Business. And the entire time this match was going on, I thought that the Hurt Business were going to win the titles because they WWE appeared to be making excuses for why the New Day might win this match, or might lose this match, rather, uh, because they had wrestled at Survivor Series the night before, and they were coming in injured, and then the match had to be restarted because... I think the New Day were counted out. Maybe both teams were counted out. Anyway, New Day agreed to to the challenge to to wrestle Hurt Business. First of all, oh, first of all, the entire match was was or took place because the Hurt Hurt Business challenged Xavier Woods in the back, and Xavier Woods's ego wouldn't let him turn down the match, even though they fought the night before. Uh, they wrestled the Street Profits at Survivor Series. Um, so they wrestled this match with the Hurt Business. It appeared as though they were making excuses for why the New Day might not win this match the whole time. And then they did win the match. So I don't know. I, I don't think that uh, bodes well for the future title opportunities granted to Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin as a team. I, I mean, we'll see. Not a good night for the Hurt Business, though. They had a chance to win the tag titles. They didn't do it. And Bobby Lashley had a chance to qualify for a WWE title match or the chance to move on in sort of like a mini tournament for it. And he didn't do that either. So, uh, so the new day retain. Then we also had a raw women's championship match between Oscar and Lana. Now Lana was technically the sole survivor for the women's traditional survivor series match at, at survivor series. So technically you know, based on how they've done this in the past, if you're the sole survivor or one of the sole survivors, you get something for that. You get some type of title shot. And that's why the the members of Team Raw were all lobbying for a title shot. Lana was the sole survivor, so it makes sense she would get a title shot against the Raw Women's Champion. Now, also along with this, Lana never really entered the match, or she might have been in the early parts of the match, but she didn't do much to be the sole survivor at Survivor Series. It really ended up that way because Nia Jax and Bianca Belair got counted out to end the match. So anyway, Asuka and Lana have a match, but Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, who have been bullying Lana for weeks or months now, putting her through tables all the time, they came out and they just interrupted this match. And that led to a tag match between Asuka and Lana versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Asuka and Lana won that match. Which will likely, although WWE hasn't announced anything to do with this, that will likely set Asuka up, Asuka and Lana up for a future shot at the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. And wouldn't it be something if Lana could win that match? That would be Lana's first ever title in WWE. And it would really give Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler their comeuppance for how they've treated Lana over the last couple of months. So that that was important. And then we had one other match, which really had nothing on the line, but it was a grudge match that's been building. And it was between Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, two wrestlers who formerly held the Women's Tag Team Championships together, but Alexa Bliss has been brainwashed by Bray Wyatt's fiend, and Nikki Cross has tried to, to get her to see the light. And Nikki was winning this match easily, handily even, 
And then Bliss started to cry, like, what's going on? I can't. It was almost as if Nikki had beaten the fiend out of Alexa Bliss, and she came to this realization of, like, what's been going on this whole time? What What is this about? And then just when Nikki showed sympathy for her, Alexa Bliss grabbed her, gave her the sister Abigail, and pinned her while looking uh, devious and angelic. So that, like, really furthered kind of what they're doing with Alexa and Bray as well, I thought, or at least was interesting. So that's seven matches which took place on Raw, which weren't filler. And normally if we have seven matches on Raw, about five or six of them is filler. So this was a very solid Raw, I thought. Um, obviously it's subjective, and it depends on how sleepy you were when some of this stuff aired. But anyway, that, that was Raw, and so now we're setting up a bunch of different angles on Raw. We've got... Um, whoever wins the triple threat and Drew McIntyre. So we've got the title picture scene. We've got Braun Strowman has been suspended and where that's going to go. We've got Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt look like they're moving into something based on, on how things went uh, between AJ Styles and Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt sort of interrupting that. Um, so a lot of different storylines kind of developing on, on Raw and I think for for a show that didn't it, like SmackDown's ratings have gone through the roof since the draft, right? You know, so seemingly SmackDown got the better of the draft, but Raw Raw really put together a show on Monday night, and I'm excited to see where some of this stuff goes. But now, let's talk about SmackDown. So SmackDown, much like Raw was, it was the first show after a major pay-per-view, so obviously we got a lot of new storylines, new angles. And the big one is that Kevin Owens seems to have emerged as the top contender for Roman Reigns' Universal Championship. And so what happened this week, there was some altercations in the back. Roman Reigns asked Jey Uso to make Kevin Owens respect him. This led to a match. Jey Uso decided to get himself disqualified during the match, starts taking a chair to Kevin Owens, something he did to Otis earlier in the night. Um, and this is all being done to, you know, in theory, teach Kevin Owens a lesson. But Kevin Owens then turned things around on Jey Uso after the match started beating him with the chair, looked in the camera and sent a message to Roman Reigns. And now it appears very much like Kevin Owens is going to be the next in line for a shot at Roman Reigns' Universal Championship. So... That should be interesting. We now have a, a direction for the Universal title. So, we got that on SmackDown this week. Buddy Murphy, or I guess he's just known as Murphy now, he also picked up a big win on SmackDown this week. He defeated King Corbin, and that's a week after he defeated Seth Rollins fairly cleanly on SmackDown last week. So it looks as though Buddy Murphy is really moving up the rankings fairly quickly. Also moving up the rankings fairly quickly on SmackDown is Bianca Belair. Now, Bianca Belair was the last person eliminated from Team SmackDown at the Survivor Series. She also didn't get pinned or submit. She just got counted out while she was duking it out with Nia Jax on the outside. Then Bianca Belair defeats Natalya this week on SmackDown. So we got Bianca Belair moving up the rankings on SmackDown. However, she's going to be hampered a little bit because... She's a babyface, Sasha Banks is a babyface, and Sasha Banks is the champion right now. But we could see Bianca Belair, hey, get in the ring with Bailey, 
And if she could defeat someone like a like a longtime SmackDown Women's Champion like Bailey, I think that would do a lot for Bianca Belair. But we'll have to just see where the SmackDown Women's Champ or Women's title picture seems to go. I mean, Carmella seems like she's getting the next shot just through some angles that they've done. Uh, but we'll see what the future holds for Bianca Belair. She certainly seems to be moving up the rankings fairly quickly. Sami Zayn had an interesting week. So his last three matches have been interesting. So last week on SmackDown, he beat Apollo Crews by tying Apollo Crews' leg up under the ring and then getting a countout victory. Then on Sunday, he wrestled Bobby Lashley in the United States Champion versus Intercontinental Champion match and did everything he could to try and get disqualified before eventually losing to Bobby Lashley. This week, he faces uh, he faced Daniel Bryan and again won by countout. And this is just sort of furthering the storyline where Zayn finds these unique and creative ways to win matches that other wrestlers might find cheap, might find uh, like he's finding an opportunistic way to win these matches. But Sami Zayn's character isn't going to see it like this. He just sees it as he's, you know, a really smart wrestler that the powers that be keep trying to hold down. You know, and that's why Bobby Lashley wasn't disqualified at Survivor Series. So to Zayn, he finds nothing cheap or opportunistic about the ways that he gets victories, but fans likely see it a little bit differently. Also in WWE on SmackDown this week, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode appear to be the next in line to challenge the Street Profits for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. They had a non-title match this week, and Ziggler and Roode got the victory. So Ziggler and Roode, maybe the Knicks to challenge the Street Profits. So we've got not really just one match has been scheduled upcoming for WWE. The only match... The entire promotion is scheduled. will take place on Raw, uh, November 30th. And it'll be AJ Styles versus Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle. Winner faces um, Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. And then SmackDown, nothing has been announced so far. On December the 6th, there will be a Tribute to the Troops event. I don't know if that's like when they're taping it or when it's going to air. Um, I don't really know because they don't, those shows don't always air at the same time in Canada where I'm at. So, but WWE Tribute to the Troops is planned for December 6th. No matches announced so far. Also, no matches announced for the TLC pay-per-view, which will be uh, a week from next Sunday. So it'll be on December the 12th. And that will be from, not from Orlando's Amway Center, but for from the Tropicana Center in Tampa Bay, Florida. Nothing official for WWE TLC thus far. There were reports this week that Toronto's Skydome, now known as Rogers Centre, and a venue located directly across the street from me. There were reports that Skydome is planned, or there are plans to demolish the Skydome. Uh, that came from a report from Toronto's Globe and Mail newspaper. And so basically this report came out. Oh, and uh, okay. So Toronto Skydome, very historic wrestling venue. The host of WrestleMania 6, the venue for WrestleMania 18 featuring The Rock versus Hollywood Hogan. And also the most attended Raw in WWE history, which was 
a special Saturday night show on February 13th, 1999. So three big, big, big wrestling events took place in that venue, as well as some others that I'm sure I attended. Um, but you had some of the biggest matches in wrestling history uh, took place in the Sky Dome. Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. The Rock versus Hollywood Hogan. And so it's interesting, you know, like it, it's the host venue for Hulk Hogan's only two ever losses at WrestleMania. He only lost twice at WrestleMania and they were both in the Sky Dome. Yet Toronto, um, I mean, when they cheered for Hollywood Hogan at WrestleMania 18 and they kick-started the Hulkamania revival of 2002. I mean, that was, I mean, that match between Hogan and Rock. Uh, and people always say it wasn't the match, but it was the crowd. Uh, I got to be in the in, in the crowd that night, and it was such a crazy vibe, such an electric feeling. And, um, you know, they're going to build a new stadium on the same lot. Um, different designs. I'm sure grass field is, is what they really want for Toronto Blue Jays baseball games. But Rogers put out a statement saying that they were looking at options for the stadium, but the pandemic hit and all of those plans got put on hold. So who knows what they're planning, but a lot of this is sort of driven by like baseball fans in the area really want a real grass field. However, it is a retractable roof in the Sky Dome, but there's something about its design which isn't really allowing them to put in a, a, a real grass field. So I think that might have something to do with it, and that's just speculation. Um, so anyway, all of this is just to say that Sky Dome might get demolished somewhere down the line and a new stadium put up. That could happen. Um, there hasn't been a wrestling event in Sky Dome for a long time, however. When they opened the Scotiabank Arena, which was formerly known as the Air Canada Center. That kind of became the home for WWE. There were some rumors, like when they did SummerSlam in Toronto, not this summer, but last summer, that maybe they would do a bunch of shows from the arena, Scotiabank Arena, and then do the big SummerSlam event at Skydome. But they ended up just doing all of them at Scotiabank Arena. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, basically, some reports came out saying that it would be demolished. Rogers, the owner of the venue, came out and said, well, who knows? We'll we'll revisit it after the pandemic is over. But we've put any plans that we may have had on hold. And finally, the last thing that I wanted to talk about this week was it was a very interesting episode of Impact this week. And I thought it was worth talking about them a little bit because they did a segment this week where Johnny Swinger goes to a wrestler's court. And this is something that they did, uh, I don't know if it was earlier this year or last year or something. Um, they did a segment of wrestler's court where Johnny Swinger was suing Joey Ryan for killing the business. This took place before speaking out, just in case you were wondering. Um, but this time, they tied in Wrestler's Court with the ongoing murder mystery that's been taking place in Impact Wrestling, where they're trying to determine who shot Johnny Bravo. And I think it's worth mentioning that this is what's worth watching about Impact right now. Like, they do this more and better than any other company right now. These backstage skits, segments, comedy, cinematic stuff. And this is something that you're only going to get with a wrestling show that has writers. 
And I know it's very much the hot thing in wrestling right now to just, oh, I don't like these writers giving these scripted promos and things like that. Well, even if you're not scripting your promos, writers can give you stuff like this, like wrestlers chords or segments or comedy bits. And Impact does this better than anybody else. If you remember last year, they did that 80s themed show where they pretended they were a territory from the 1980s. That was fun. They did Wrestle House, which was a reality TV show where they all lived in a in a house, and this was sort of their way of doing something fun during the pandemic. Then they and now they've had this murder mystery with who shot Johnny Bravo, and all of this is on top of the stuff that they did with the Undead Realm and Father James Mitchell and Rosemary and Havoc, and then doing another episode of Wrestlers Court this week. So this is. This is basically what Impact can offer that other companies aren't right now. They can offer you this kind of silliness, this sort of, it's comedy, but it's comedy that's so different than the way WWE does it. WWE does just comedy, a lot of it's slapstick or toilet humor or lowbrow, but Impact's comedy is aimed at wrestling fans. So a lot of the comedy is insider terminology or inside stories or things like that. So if you're a diehard wrestling fan, you get the jokes and you appreciate the jokes on another level. And I think that's Impact's strongest suit right now. And there was a lot of laugh out loud moments from Wrestler's Court. There was a lot of laugh out loud moments from Wrestle House. I mean, I originally did not like Wrestle House, but boy, did I warm up to it pretty quickly. So that's kind of... I just wanted to quickly mention, you know, I thought Impact did a good job this week with um, with that segment that was kind of, there was different parts throughout the evening. And if you haven't had a chance to watch it, or if you're not keeping up on Impact, go ahead and watch this last week's episode. You might find that Impact's a, a company you want to go back to. And uh, also for Impact, they've been running the Knockouts Tag Team Tournament. Uh, recently, we've had two opening round matches in so far, another one scheduled for this week. And we found out this week that Jazz, former WWE Women's Champion, former NWA Women's Champion Jazz, returning to the ring, she's going to be Jordan Grace's partner for the tournament. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up in Impact Wrestling. You might want to consider them or consider giving them another look if you're not currently following the promotion. All right, let's just finish it up this week with some news and notes. Some of these uh, news and notes, unfortunately, are pretty sad, uh, starting with the big news uh, this week. The co-founder of TNA Wrestling, longtime wrestling journalist, longtime uh, employee in the wrestling industry, Bob Ryder, passed away this week. He had been battling cancer for, uh, for a few years. Uh, a lot of people wrote touching tributes to Bob Ryder online. A lot of people who knew him really well. He clearly had a passion for this business. Uh, Impact Wrestling Scott Demore and Ed Nordholm both wrote uh, tributes to him that are up on the Impact Wrestling website. Uh, and it's, it's definitely clear uh, that Bob Ryder touched a lot of people in the wrestling industry. Uh, also sad news. Uh, concerning Dwayne Gill, if you might remember Gilberg, 
Uh, it was announced by James Ellsworth, who is sort of like the modern day version of Dwayne Gill, that uh, uh, he had a heart attack and is, is now recovering. Um, so, uh, so definitely unfortunate that Dwayne Gill suffered a heart attack, but uh, good news that he seems to be on the mend. Uh, also very unfortunate uh, news, Jimmy Rave, um, Ring of Honor, CZW, uh, he announced that he has retired after a 21-year career uh, due to his arm being amputated. Uh, he had gotten an infection in his arm, uh, delayed going to get it checked out, and unfortunately had to have his arm amputated. Uh, so I'm sending all the best to, to Jimmy Rave during uh, what is no doubt a tough time uh, in his life. But a lot of people sending... Positive uh, um, thoughts and comments to Jimmy Rave and about what he contributed throughout his wrestling career. Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, the original kingdom, have reunited in Ring of Honor. Uh, Mike Bennett, of course, returned to the promotion recently. And, of course, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, along with Maria Canales, had a hugely successful run as a tag team, which included uh, winning tag uh, belts not only in Ring of Honor, but they are also former IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. They were involved in a uh, heated rivalry with Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows that did involve Carl Anderson becoming infatuated with Maria Canellis, Maria Bennett. So uh, for Ring of Honor fans, that's something going on in the promotion right now. You've got Taven and Bennett back as the kingdom. Another news note that came out this week, Kevin Nash. Now, Kevin Nash is in the movie Chick Fight. He does a lot of acting, but he has landed a starring role in a movie that, well, I think a few people might find kind of funny. Uh, the movie's title is COVID-19 Invasion. And the, the only description for the movie is that a bunch of Chinese bats have invaded America and America has turned to the Navy SEAL Team 6 or something that I guess Kevin Nash is a big part of. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, that's something. That's something, I guess. I don't know. The Rock's uh, Young Rock has started filming. That show that's going to be on NBC. There was a uh, float of the rock wearing, you know, his fanny pack and, you know, his, his old attire was launched in the Macy's, uh, Thanksgiving parade to help promote that. Kenny Omega has announced a new supplement supplement line. There's information about that up on our website. G4, which was a popular video game channel. They're returning in 2021 and they have announced that Xavier Woods is going to come on and be a host for them. I think it's notable that they announced Xavier Woods and not uh, Austin Creed. And so it appears WWE has some type of involvement in this, right? So they're, they, they're promoting it and he's using his WWE ring name. So that seems important. Anonymous source-based site PW Insider reported that Hurricane Helms has returned to WWE in his old producer's role. Um, not able to... to cross-reference this as it was an anonymous site, but I would have to imagine that if this was not true, Hurricane Helms would have come out and refuted the report by now. So I feel confident that, that this is likely true. 
but it did come from an anonymous source-based site. Uh, the NWO, NWA, excuse me, um, got wrestling's greatest war on my mind. Uh, the NWA announced that they will premiere a new show in the old time slot, 6.05 on Tuesday in YouTube. It's going to be called Shockwave. They announced that there's going to be never-before-aired matches and stuff, so I don't know what's going on there. We'll just have to see what they end up doing. Uh, also, WWE, this is sort of interesting. They filed to re-trademark the name Dean Ambrose. Uh, actually, back in October, but it just kind of came out this week. And it, Like, the name Dean Ambrose. And they had this trademark for nine years and just sort of left it in August. We're like, nah, it's fine. We don't need it anymore. So they opted not to renew it. And then five weeks later, they're like, ah, I guess we want that trademark. And they refiled for it. So they had the option to renew, which would have prevented them from having to file for it again. And they were like, nah, no reason. Then five weeks later, they were like, yeah, 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 we need it. So I don't know what changed in those five weeks. Or if maybe there's a, there's a fake version of Dean Ambrose coming to WWE a la Fake Razor and Fake Diesel, which again, we are covering on Wrestling's Greatest War right now. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, also, AEW announced that they officially signed uh, Top Flight to its roster as well. Uh, there's there's more little news bits, and we've got links to where you can find out more of this information up on the website right now. Uh, so again, this show is going to come out on Monday or Tuesday next week, so we can talk about the War Games pay-per-view. Uh, check out the website. we got a lot of interesting stuff up on there right now, including a preview of John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. We're going to have a new episode of Wrestling's Greatest War up this week. We recorded it last week. So a lot of fun stuff coming up at Spoiler Free Wrestling. Thanks so much for supporting the show, the website, and everything we do. And I'll talk to you again next week.